God's call to worship through his word. We'll give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. O oh, you high and holy one that inhabits eternity, you are to be feared and loved by all your servants. All your works praise you. O oh God, we especially give thanks unto you for your marvelous love in Christ Jesus, by whom you have reconciled the world to yourself. You have given us exceeding great and precious promises. You have sealed them with the, his blood. You have confirmed them by his resurrection and ascension and the whole and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've given us so many happy opportunities of knowing the truth as it is in Jesus. Even the mystery which was hid from ages and generations, but is now revealed to them by that belief. Amen. Hear God's law and his will for your life. Our Lord said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let's confess your sins to God. We have great reason, O Lord, to be humble before you on account of the coldness and insensibility of our hearts, the disorder and irregularity of our lives and the prevalence of the world affections within us. Too often we have indulged in tempers which we ought to have subdued and have left our duty unperformed. O Lord, be merciful to us for your Son, Jesus Christ's sake. Produce in us deep repentance and lively faith in this, that Savior who has died for our sins and risen again for our justification. Amen. Receive these words of comfort from God. For while we are still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. 
But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Confess what you believe uh, about the Christian faith. Whoever so desires to be saved should above all hold to the Catholic faith. Anyone who does not keep it whole and unbroken will doubtless perish eternally. Now this is the Catholic thing, that we worship one God in Trinity, in the Trinity and unity, neither confounding their persons nor dividing the essence. The Father was neither made nor created nor begotten from anyone. The Son was neither made nor created. He was begotten from the Father alone. The Holy Spirit was neither made nor created nor begotten. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Accordingly, there is one Father, not three fathers. There is one Son, not three sons. There is one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. None in, the, in this Trinity is before or after. None is greater or smaller in their eternity, and three persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. So in everything, as we said earlier, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. Anyone who desires to be saved should think thus about the Trinity. Glory be to the Father. Glory be to the Son. Glory be to God the Spirit, every three and every one. As it was in the beginning, now and evermore shall be. Amen. Let's go on to our catechism lesson for today. Is it by faith alone that we share in Christ and all his benefits? Where, where then does thy, that faith come from? Well, the Holy Spirit works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it by the use of the holy sacraments. What are the sacraments? Sacraments are visible, holy signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, he might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and the seal of promise. And this is God's gospel promise. He grants us forgiveness and sins and eternal life by grace because of Christ's one sacrifice accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus on faith, on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, yeah, yes indeed. Uh, the Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and confirms by the holy sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? the Holy Baptism, and the Holy Supper. It's true. And now, let's talk about the greatest man in the Old Testament, Moses. Pick this up in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Verse 10, he's the greatest man in the Old Testament. Great men received distinction for various reasons. Uh, Adam gained distinction because he was the world's first man. Abraham because he was the father of the faithful. David because he was the king of Israel in its golden age. Uh, Napoleon gained uh, distinction because he was a mighty warrior. Gladstone because he was a great statesman. 
George Washington because he was our first president. But why do we remember Moses? Why has he made such an impression on our world history? As our text says, uh, we remember him because he was the prophet whom the Lord knew face to face. He came into closer fellowship with God than any other man since the fall. The great nation of Israel uh, lived and lives today because of Moses. And Israel is his, his, his monument. Someone has called him the giant of the Nile. But uh, he is the giant of all ages, all the ages. He was the greatest man of the Old Testament. Let's take a little bit of a look into his life. Uh, God's chosen people were in an oppressive slavery and bondage in Europe or in Egypt, I'm sorry. Uh, but they, they grew so rapidly that the king became afraid of their power. I mean, they literally grew huge. Uh, in order to stamp them out, he ordered that all male children born to the Israelites should be killed. But God didn't let that little king of the, of the earth thwart his plans. He meant to raise up a leader who would deliver his people so when a healthy child was born to a Hebrew couple, they kept the boy alive for three months. Then they hit him in an ark. Not as big as the ark that Noah built, but they hit him in a yard because he was just a little guy. Um, and they put him in a uh, among the bulrushes of the Nile. Hoping that sometime he would be rescued. The king's own daughter, imagine that. The king's own daughter rescued the baby, and in God's design, the baby was given back to its own mother to be reared in the faith of the Hebrews. God was working. He was preserving his man in his own way. As Jesus was preserved when Herod issued his decree for the death of all male children under two years of age. So God preserved Moses for the task uh, for which he was preparing him. Was it blind chance that uh, that sent the princess to the right place at the right time? No, no, not at all. It was God. Let's just suppose she had come on another day and to a place 100 yards up the river. Could have happened. But God was directing the whole affair. Things don't just happen with him. The poet was right, who said, there's a divinity that shapes our ends. Rough hew them how we will. We make our plans, we choose our path, but God always has his way. One day, Jesus met a sinful woman at a well near a town of uh, Sikchar. He talked to her, confronted her with and her sin, and she was converted. Then she ran back into the city to bring many others to him. Suppose she had come to the well an hour sooner or an hour later. She and the people of Saqqara would uh, never have known him. But this was not the chance, for God had planned it from the foundation of the world and the history of the world. God has used all sorts of people and all kinds of circumstances to carry out his purpose. The preservation of Moses was a vital part of God's great eternal plan. 
preparation. The civilization of Egypt was the highest of that day and that centered in the king's court. This is where Moses was trained in all the wisdom and the science of the great nation, but he received greater training elsewhere. He was brought up at the knees of his godly mother. And there he was taught that the things of God and his people and his plans. It was no accident that Moses was given to his mother to raise in his uh, early years. It was God, God training him. When God wants a man for a certain task, he gives him the best training. When Paul was converted, God sent him into the desert of Arabia. For nearly three years, he communed with God and received from him all the mysteries of the gospel. Since that time, God has placed many men in the right homes and at the right environment because he had a task for them in the future years. Presumptuous, let's presume. As Moses came in uh, to manhood, he looked on, uh, out on the uh, bondage of the affliction of his people and he sympathized with them. He wanted to rescue them, but he went about it in the wrong way. He allowed himself to be guided by his own passion instead of the voice of God. One day he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and he slew the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day he saw two fellow Israelites fighting and when he tried to intervene and stop them, they turned on him and accused him of the, the murder that he had committed the day before. Quote, be sure your sin will find you out. Quote, Numbers, chapter 32, verse 23. <coughs> Excuse me. When the, king of, when the king heard of what Moses had done, Moses had to flee the country and went to uh, Medea. It was presumptuous to take matters into one hand instead of waiting on the Lord. But we all are guilty of this. When problems present themselves, we run ahead of God and try to solve them in our own strength. People often make the wrong marriage and it ends up in tragedy because God was not considered or consulted. Careers fail and homes are broken up because God is ignored and our feeble wisdom is considered. Moses went to Gideon uh, and, and stayed there tending sheep when, when those years could have been used in the service of God and his people. During that time, back in Egypt, Moses' people sent the years, spent the years in, in suffering, and many of them died in slavery. Uh, we lose time and souls when we run ahead of God. Let's probe a little bit deeper. While Moses was busy at the mental task of tending sheep, God God's sorrowing people were crying out to him for deliverance, and God heard them and said, I will deliver them out. One day, uh, Moses is walking around, and he noticed a bush burning by the uh, wayside. But it was not consumed. So he turned aside to investigate this phenomenon of nature. Modernist tells us uh, that it, this was not a miracle, But it was the uh, the sun that was shining on the uh, acacia bush that made it appear to be burning. Uh, but Moses had been uh, in the desert 40 years. And if this had not been a strange and unusual thing, he would have not have said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burnt. 
Guy had 40 years in the desert. Just think how much of experience he had. When he went to uh, look at this bush, he heard uh, the voices of God calling him to return to Egypt and deliver his children. In some respects, religious curiosity is a good thing. When God calls, we are to turn aside and listen. When the earthquake came to uh, Philippi, the jailer, uh, he was ready to listen to Paul and learn the ways of salvation. When the winds of Pentecost blew, thousands of people listened and were saved. And now when God calls, we should listen. That call may come through a sermon, a preacher, a still small voice that comes into you at night. But if you feel that it is God calling in any way, you should heed that call. God said, you are to lead my people to the land of flowing with milk and honey. But Moses began to protest. I, I, I can't do it. I can't go up against the mighty Pharaoh. Then God gave him strong assurance. He says, certainly uh, I will be there with thee. And that was enough to make Moses stronger than a thousand Pharaohs. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and tell the people about his death on the cross for them. But he knew that was uh, too much to ask of them alone. So he said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So when God calls, calls us to follow him, he says, You put your neck in one side of the yoke and I'll be on the other side. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. Moses continued to make excuses. The king will not let the people go, but God responded with, I will smite them and cause them to release them. Then Moses says, but our people won't uh, believe the, the Lord has appeared to me. The God told him to cast his rod on the ground. He did it, and the rod became a serpent. And God told him to seize the serpent by the tail, and it would turn back into a rod. But Moses came up with another excuse. He said that he was not eloquent. He wasn't an eloquent man, that he was slow of speech. Then God said, your brother Aaron is a good speaker. I will be with his mouth. You can speak to him for me. All of us have our limitations, but when God says, follow me, and I will bless your labors, we need, we need have no fear of the results. Peter was an ignorant, rough fisherman, but God used him as a great preacher of the Pentecost. Fanny Crosby was blind, and she wrote scores of hymns that have blessed the world and turned many sinners to God. When Livingston preached his first sermon, he vowed that he would never try. But God blessed him, and he turned a dark continent toward the Lord. His precious promises are for us all. If we follow him in the life of complete surrender, he will use us however meager our talents are. So now, Moses went down to, into Egypt, and he confronted the Pharaoh with the request that he give the Israelites their freedom. Proud king says, uh, he laughed at him. He said, look, look at me. He said, I rule the greatest country in the world. I have all the power in Egypt. 
The Hebrews are my slaves, and I'll never let them go free. Who is this God you speak about? I never heard of him. Get out of my sight. Moses must have said, I'll go. But remember this, you and your people are going to feel the heavy hand of God. As the Pharaoh persisted in his refusal, the Lord sent a series of plagues on Egypt. All the water in the land turned to blood. Do you imagine that? All the land, all the water in the land turned to blood. The frogs came up and filled every house. Then the dust. Then the dust, where was I lost my train of thought here because my phone rang. I apologize for that. Um, then the dust, the dust of the earth, uh, it was turned to lice. Then flies covered every place in the land. Next, all the cattle of Egypt were afflicted with a fatal disease, but the cattle of the Hebrews were not touched. Then the Egyptians were plagued with boils. Can you imagine that having boils all over you? Next, a heavy hail fell on the land, but there was no hail in the land of Goshen where God's people dwelled. Then locusts came up and ate all of the crops that were left. Finally, darkness covered the land for three days. Every time a plague came on the land, Pharaoh seemed to repent. He would call Moses in and ask him to get God to uh, call off the plague, promising each time that he would then let his people go. But when the plague, Pharaoh changed his mind. God then said, enough is enough. Plagues have not moved the heart of Pharaoh. Now I will go about at midnight in the land of Egypt, and the firstborn of every home shall die, even the firstborn of the Pharaoh. But what about Israel? Were there children to die also? No, no. For God said, kill a lamb without spot or blemish, spill its blood on the basin, and take some hyssop and dip it in the blood and sprinkle that blood on the two side posts on the upper posts of your house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The awful night passed, and when the sun rose on the new day, there was a wailing and weeping in every Egyptian home and even in the palace. Then the mighty Pharaoh fell on his knees by the body of the crown prince and said, The Lord has won. I give up. The Israelites can go. There are many people like the Pharaoh. When trouble comes, they turn to God and make their promises to leave their sin and live for God. But when the trouble is over, they forget all about God and their promises. Look at the price that was paid because of a rebellious against God. The people suffered. Many parents and even the king lost their firstborn. Here is a great lesson for us all. When God commands it, pays to follow his will. It does. At last, the Israelites are allowed to march out under the direction of Moses. In more than 400 years, they had been in Egypt. Their number had grown from 70 to approximately 2,600,000. When they came to the Red Sea... They looked back and they saw 
Pharaoh coming toward them with all his mighty hosts. He had changed his mind about permitting the Israelites to go free, but again, God took over and performed a mighty miracle. He caused the Red Sea to roll back so that his people could cross over to dry land. But when the Pharaoh and his army attempted to cross, the water tumbled in on them and they were all drowned, killed. God led the great host of people all the way with a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. On their journey, God fed them with manna and quail from heaven and quenched their thirst with water drawn from rocks. Then one day the Lord called Moses up on the Mount Sinai and he, where, where he gave him the Ten Commandments, which are listed in the 20th chapter of Exodus. But when he came down from the mountaintop, he found the people engaged in moral orgy, worshiping a golden calf. They had forgotten God so quickly. In his hot displeasure, Moses threw the tablets containing the Ten Commandments down and broke them into pieces. Later, after the earnest intercession of Moses for the people, God gave Moses two new tablets of stone on which were inscribed the Ten Commandments. Finally, uh, after many adventures and uh, many instructions from the Lord, they came to uh, Kadesh Barnea, where they could easily have entered into the Promised Land. But when uh, ten of the twelve spies who were into the land came back with a pessimistic report, which left God out, the uh,
Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. 